Good evening, everybody, and welcome back to the Out of Bounds podcast, Out of Bounds with a Z. Don't forget to come check us out on your favorite streaming platforms all around the world, wherever you are, including Canada, where tonight I'm joined by the wonderful, the hospitable, the... Any other adjectives that you want me to say, Sean? Uh, Very cold. Very Very cold. Very cold, Sean Lawler. Sean, how are you doing tonight, sir? Uh, not too bad. Um, cold, as I said, but that's to be expected in November. At least it didn't start snowing November 1st like it did last year, so I'm okay with that. But missing the sports uh, today. There hasn't missing. been enough sports on lately. <laughs> well, we did have quite a bit of gap there for, for a lot of 2020, so now we've been spoiled between the NBA bubble and Major League Baseball and the NFL and and the NHL, which I believe in Canada, you guys have to watch no matter what, right? Uh, well, it's you get it for almost free. Well, actually, <laughs> you do. You you can watch it for free on our government paid for broadcasting station. So yeah, it's it's pretty easy to watch. <laughs> you are you are indoctrinated at a very young age, which is always nice. Uh, don't forget to come check us out on the Facebook page too. Uh, out of bounds, come to the Ringer NFL group where you get to see all the polls that I post and as we discuss many of things. Tonight we're going to get into, of course, week 10 action in the NFL. Then after that, we're going to break down some of the NBA news, some trades that happened that we kind of alluded to on the last pod, and then some that are up in the air and just other general NBA news. But we all know that football is king, and this past week it had <laughs> – Boy, it had some doozies, including your team, but we'll get to that. Uh, we're, we're <laughs> Can gonna, we skip it? No, we will not skip that. I've had to listen to Patriot slander for weeks upon weeks upon weeks. So we're absolutely. I, that's fine. You can be in first, but we're, we're going to talk about it, that and everything else. So <laughs> we're, we're going to do our, our patented one question per game for all the games this past week. Now, we did cover the Thursday game last on our last pod, so if you want to know what we thought of that game, go ahead and listen to our last pod because we like that. Uh, so we're going to start with the uh, definitely not the game of the week, the Minnesota, <laughs> the Minnesota Vikings at the Chicago Bears. Minnesota wins 19-13. We talked about going into this game. This was a chance for Minnesota to, to make up some ground in the division and in the playoffs in general. <laughs> So they did their part. They they won, and at the end of the game, Nick Foles was was injured. I haven't heard the extent. Apparently, there was some optimism coming out of the game that it wasn't as bad as they were hoping. But when you have two unhealthy bad quarterbacks, you have zero quarterbacks. I think somebody said that once, and right now that seems to be the Chicago Bears. I'm going to go ahead and start with my one question coming out of this game. If you're Chicago... Do you just give up this season? Um, the reason I say that is because, obviously, Nick Foles is not the savior that they were hoping to be. They're 5-5. Five and five. I mean, they're not out of it. They're, second, they're in second place in the NFC North. I don't think anybody has any illusions of Granger that they're going to catch Green Bay. And Trubisky has shown, even though he did win his first three games— that he is not going to be the leader of this team long-term. And Foles has shown that he's not going to be the leader of this team full, you know, in the future. So should the Bears just pack it in and go home? Absolutely. 
that's it, they, it's done this season's over <laughs> like they were trotting out tyler braid i was like wikipedia who's this guy <laughs> uh, we, we did not talk about him in our backup quarterback special last week so wasn't on the squad as per ESPN's roster. Oh, my. <laughs> As that oh moment, my. I, I heard them mention his name. They were like, Tyler Bray's the backup. I'm like, oh, is he the punter? Like, <laughs> let me look that up. Oh, man. So so you, you're saying at 5-5 five and five that they should just go ahead and, and, you know, turn off the lights, pack, you know, put the kids to bed, and just shut down the rest of the season? I mean, we're not telling them to quit, but... I mean, right now they're in the eighth playoff spot in the NFC. They're half a game ahead of Minnesota, who they obviously just lost to. They're right behind Seattle, but they're two games back from a playoff spot. And I don't really see them. I mean, I don't know. What What are your thoughts? I mean, I know I know Tracy's going to listen to this at some point, so I don't think we're going to surprise him in our thoughts of the Bears. Yeah, well, they're t- if. Uh, week gets canceled. They actually make the playoffs right now. Um, yeah. They're in the eighth spot, but they've got a game in hand. Are they are a game ahead played of Minnesota? Mm-hmm. So Minnesota has a game in hand there for them to tie it up. But Minnesota's four and five right now. Detroit but, also. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Detroit too. Yeah, it's a good division right there. Uh, not too bad, except. But the, unless the Bears, who are they, who's playing quarterback? Like, how hurt is Mitchell Trubisky? Is he able to play? Because if he's able to play, then no, you don't have to really write off the rest, the playoffs. But if he's not okay to play, and Foles got roughed up, like he's mm-hmm. he, it's unless so go get chosen Rosen. Let's see. Let's see what he does. Like oh, get, off the Rose, <laughs> get off the Rosen bandwagon. He hasn't done anything. He, I'm I mean, not saying, but first, if you're going to, if you're going to do anything, that's basically all you can do. Like what else are you going to do? Yeah. They're going to, they're going to play Tyler Bray. Sure. Like, okay, that's great. But you're not making the playoffs with Tyler Bray as far as I can see. Yeah. Well, if it makes you feel any better, Pat, or, uh, Bears fans, your next game is Sunday Night Football at the Green Bay Packers. So at least you have nothing but happy days and sunshine to look forward to. Uh, <laughs> well, will David Montgomery be healthy? Because then we can talk I mean, about that game. Well, I'm I'm not Bert, sure that he's going to be healthy. Well, so we'll get to the Packers later. Yeah. Uh, working backwards, the Sunday Night Football game, the Baltimore Ravens traveled to New England to Foxborough. And a monsoon happened. Uh, there's, there's some various, there's some very serious storms going on in the eastern part of the world right now. Apparently, there was a time warp that they came and landed right in New England. That game was, of course, New England uh, upset the Ravens 23-17, not to bypass the score. The, the weather was just nuts. I mean, between the wind and the rain, and then of course everybody saw in the last two minutes where Bill Belichick turned on the the hoses and really the, the rain started to come down. It was quite impressive. I, I knew he had powers. I just didn't know he had those kind of powers. Sean, I'm going to let you take this one. What's your question coming out of this game? Well, my thing is I'm hearing a lot of slander about Lamar Jackson. And like I had mentioned on our last pod, they didn't get the off season that they would have needed to accelerate that offense. 
So I'm wondering if we can, you know, wait an off season before we pour dirt on Lamar Jackson and his career. Cause that game. Yeah. He had great, pretty good numbers. I would say like he passed for 249 yards and, but he needs reliable receivers. Mark Jackson dropped a few too many Mark Andrews. for me. Mark Andrews. Yeah. Like yeah. he dropped a couple pretty key throws mm-hmm. from Lamar Jackson. So can we just wait in off season and let the rate, like the Ravens probably aren't going to win it this season. So we'll, you know, concede that, but like he's, I think he's pretty good as a quarterback. I think he's made some good strides. <clears throat> I don't think there's any question that Lamar Jackson's a pretty good quarterback. I think he has an MVP trophy he could probably point to. I think the problem is, is they brought back a lot of the same people. I mean, guys like Willie Sneed, Mark Andrews. Now, they have been beat up. Obviously, they lost their left tackle the week that they signed him to a huge deal. They've had, you know, Mark Ingram just came back. He had his issues. J.K. Dobbins has run really well for them. But, I I mean, I don't want to bury them but i'm not ready to give them the benefit of the doubt either we've seen that when teams run these offenses they do have a shelf life without adjusting and part of that is the COVID offseason i mean you saw colin kaepernick light up the nfl for a couple years there and then as teams and, and coaches and scouts got footage on them that they were able to adjust that happened with rg3 on top of the injury obviously also but this has been known to happen. I mean, it even happened to Michael Vick in some regards, as talented as he was. They find ways to beat you, and part of that is what the Patriots did with running the ball. Damian Harris had 121 yards. You know, Cam Newton in the offense played within itself. You know, the one big trick play that Baltimore always seems susceptible to on defense, especially when they play the Patriots. I, I Again, I'm not ready to bury Lamar Jackson, but if you want to talk about, like, this year compared to last year, Right now, if the playoffs were to start, do you know who Baltimore's playing? They're playing Kansas City. And last year, everybody would have been over backwards for that game. This year, I don't think too many people are excited to see Kansas City kick the shit out of Baltimore again because that's what's <laughs> going to happen. So, I mean, has the shine worn off? Eh, I don't know that it's worn off, but it's definitely not shining as bright as it was last year. So, again, I'm not... I'm not trying to bury Baltimore. It was a really good win for the Patriots. They needed it. But I I don't know. I'm just not in the business, especially with everything we talked about, you know, calling out the plays and stuff like that that Jackson talked about. Sometimes you just need to, even if you know what's going on, sometimes you just kind of need to keep your mouth shut and just, you know, just keep it going. You've had some issues this year. Just just let, let your play on the field do the talking. Well, he's younger than Joe Burrow, so, like, come on. Yeah, exactly. And and Baltimore, I just, I don't know. I feel, I'm just, I'm uneasy about them. I feel like something's going to happen, and I'm not sure what it is. Speaking of things that uh, I wasn't sure was going to happen, uh, we did kind of talk about this game, and, and what ended up happening was exactly as we called. The Cincinnati Bengals traveled to Pittsburgh in another game that didn't have the best weather in the world, and Pittsburgh beat them 36-10. to 10. We talked about Cincy possibly having a chance of coming in and being competitive with Pittsburgh. That ended in the first quarter with two Bengals turnovers. So (laughs) uh, Pittsburgh in the second half especially pulled away. I did talk in the last pod about how 
this could be a 20-point game in the third quarter. I think when it got up to 20 points, I kind of chuckled. I was like, well, I was right. So, <laughs> I mean, it's <laughs> it's just one of those things where it's like, eh, okay, that makes sense. steel trap for a memory there. But, uh, listen, <laughs> when I'm right, time. I... When I when I am right, I remember things. When I'm wrong, they never happened, and I don't care what evidence is out there. Okay. <laughs> Come, I I remember my wins. Okay. <laughs> uh, my question coming out of this game is, why is Ben Roethlisberger not a top two MVP candidate? And I know it's about narrative, and I know it's all about that. The guy's coming back from injury. And before I go any further, I am the biggest anti-Steelers person out there. So this. Again, this kills me to say it. We've talked about it. But they're the only undefeated team in the league. He doesn't have bad numbers. Like, it's not like he's a 14-9 and nine guy. Like, he's got good numbers on the season. The offense was carried early on by the defense. The defense has not been playing necessarily the greatest lately, and Roethlisberger is still putting up numbers. He threw for 333 yards in this game. I get Mahomes. I think he's 25 touchdowns, one interception now. We'll get to a game later that featured two MVP candidates and one came out of it, which was something we talked about. But Roethlisberger should be getting, like, at least top three consideration, shouldn't he? And I'm just, again, I don't listen to all the talking heads, but it doesn't seem like he's necessarily getting that respect for his team doing so well. You're exactly right. And I really didn't think about it before you asked this question. And I think you, from what I can remember, you're the only one that's really talked about him as an MVP candidate. When we did that question, I picked Josh Allen. Mm-hmm. And I'm not really crying any tears over it, to be honest. <laughs> um, <laughs> like, he, he does have great weapons, you're right. But it's almost like... He's got a really good defense, mm-hmm. and the schedule's been eh for them, really. And I think it's people like the like the quarterbacks that play really well in adversity, like with like a Josh Allen, like he plays through his own adversity that isn't off the field stuff. Mm-hmm. So it's I it really is a narrative driven award and it has become that way. We don't have records of what happened back in the 50s and 60s to know if the award was uh, emotions driven, narrative driven the way it is now. But with Twitter and all of that, it really is. But yeah, he's got the numbers where he should be considered one, yeah. but he just isn't because I think it's you know. But again, if you're driving the narrative. He's he's having a good season. Right now, he's at 2,200 yards. He's got 22 touchdowns, four interceptions, and three of those interceptions came in one game. And his team is the only undefeated team in the league. I cannot believe I'm defending Ben Roethlisberger here, but there should be some respect put on his name, at least when it comes to the MVP consideration. Again, we've talked about this. This is a fluid situation. Russell Wilson two weeks ago, was by far and away going to be the MVP of the league to a lot of people. And now they are burning those takes like they are in the Canadian wilderness. They are burning them like D.B. Cooper burnt the money. Like they do not want to even admit that they were talking about Russell Wilson as bad as he's looked. And the fact that nobody's went out on a limb really. I mean, I did see Shannon Sharp brought up. He, I think he had Ben Roethlisberger third or fourth. 
but it was almost like, a, oh, yeah, what about this guy? And it's great when you see quarterbacks like Kyler Murray and, and again, Russell Wilson and Patrick Mahomes, and, and they're exciting and they make all these great plays. And it's like, that's fine, but I like my team to win. And if I'm a Steelers fan, it might not be pretty, but they're winning. And they're winning on a good part because Ben Roethlisberger isn't doing some of the dumb things he's been known to do at times. Yeah, you're you're right. I I don't know why. I just I'm not crying any. Sh- I'm not shedding any tears over it. Oh, I'm not either. And it's easy to give it to Mahomes, but I also think that Ben he should be. I'm surprised Skip Bayless hasn't stuck his neck out for him, but he's probably oh, too he's, busy trashing on somebody else. He's he's got Kyler Murray. That's his oh. guy. His that's has been his guy since college. So he's he's right up there with Kyler and Tom Brady. Tom Brady's the other one that he's just Tom Brady's the the guy. Uh, speaking of Tom Brady, we'll move on to our next game. That would be the San Francisco 49ers at the New Orleans Saints. I guess that isn't Tom Brady. That's Drew Brees. Man, I'll tell you what. I am, that is a moment there. Boy, write that one down. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, it was like, nice. uh, which no, game were we talking not, about here? Nope, nope, that's not it at all. Not it at all. Just another old quarterback. Uh, speaking of old quarterbacks, the San Francisco 49ers, again, were at the New Orleans Saints. New Orleans won 27 to 13 in a game that really shouldn't have been close and for the most part wasn't. But that's not the news coming out of the game. The news coming out is Drew Brees has <laughs> damaged ribs on both sides of his chest, including a collapsed lung. He did not come out in the second half of the game. Jameis Winston went in and played. Everybody was kind of wondering. He did take a big hit, but everybody was wondering, well, what happened, you know? okay, are they just resting him? You know, whatever happened, and it came out after that it was fairly serious. Timetable anywhere from two to four weeks. Some people say four to six. Drew Brees is like, I'm going to get out there as soon as I can, which, um, um, yeah, it's like, yeah, in 1972, you would have been able to, to, you know, hurry up back out there, but that's not what you're doing now. So, Sean, do you have a question coming out of the game? Uh, I do. Um, who do you think the Saints should go with? Because now we're in the situation where QB1 is down and Jameis Winston played in the game. uh, You know, he didn't have any interceptions, (laughs) but it wasn't like he wasn't trying. Um, So, but I think Taysom Hill should, because he's probably getting more snaps in practice than Jameis. Mm -hmm. So who do you think should start for the Saints because Drew Brees isn't going to be back for a couple weeks. Yeah, even if you put him at two weeks minimum, which I think they should sit him for probably at least four weeks just to make sure he's healthy because he's not he's not a sturdy quarterback. But we won't get into that. Uh, the easy answer is Jameis. I mean, Jameis, as bad as he was last year, he threw 30 interceptions. He also threw 30 touchdowns, and he also threw 5,000 yards. And I'm not a Jameis fan. But if you're the New Orleans Saints and you want your quarterback to throw to receivers down the field consistently, there's one of those two quarterbacks between Jameis Winston and Taysom Hill who does it and has done it quite a bit. And the answer is Jameis Winston. Taysom Hill is always going to give you options. He threw the ball. I think it wasn't against... Uh, it wasn't against San Francisco, but it was against Tampa Bay in the previous week where he caught them off guard and threw a, a deeper pass, I think a 20-something yard completion, because he mostly runs the ball. That's fine. 
but there is nothing that has been shown that Taysom Hill is a guy who should throw the ball 35 times and the Saints should feel comfortable. Because if you start Taysom Hill and he throws a couple picks and all that, you can't go back to him. You can't. If you put in Jameis and he throws a pick or whatever, okay, then you bring Taysom Hill out and you just say, well, this is just part of the offense, these gadget plays, these trick plays, and Jameis will be back in there and it's fine. It doesn't work the other way around. Jameis isn't coming in and running a wildcat. So I think the obvious answer has to be Jameis. What about you? You make a good point about you can't go – you can only go one way with Taysom Hill. You can't go back to him if he starts um, just throwing a ton of picks and then you bring in Jameis Winston and then it's just Jameis all the way. You're right. Yeah, they'll probably have to. And they have a really good defense that I think it works in this case. I think they can stop. They can make up for some of the interceptions that Jameis puts up. Because, yeah, he'll he'll light it up, and those receivers will be like, wait, I can run a go route, and the ball will come towards me? I'm not just running a go route to clear out for down below? <laughs> exactly. I mean, they again, with Michael Thomas and the weapons that they have, Jameis is going to be able to throw the passes to Kamara. He's going to be able to do all the things. And the thing that is, is if you put Taysom Hill back there, they're going to crowd the line, which is going to give Kamara less room to function. So you need to have the threat of a consistent downfield or mid-range pass from Jameis to open up that offense. Because Kamara, outside of any other quarterback, is, you know, you could argue he's been the MVP of the league, or at least the offensive player of the league. So, again, I just think if you put Hill in there, you're begging for this season to, to go in the tank. So that's my answer. Speaking of answers, we we got a resounding answer about that Seattle defense. The Seattle Seahawks traveled and played the Los Angeles Rams, where the Rams ended up beating them 23-16. to 16. It was not the prettiest game in the world, but it, <laughs> we talked on last week's pod. Excuse me. We talked on last week's pod if we should be concerned, or you asked if we should be concerned about that Seattle defense if they lost this game. My argument was that we should be concerned about this Seattle defense before the game, but now there seems to be another concern. My question for you is, Sean, is it time to panic in Seattle? (laughs) Yeah, it is. And they were in the middle of negotiating an extension for Pete Carroll. (laughs) Oh, no, the the extension's done. (laughs) Yeah, so in the middle of this, like, right after it was signed, they lost the second game in a row and so they're it's not looking good like it's time to panic like it's it's not good for seattle like they scored one touchdown and just field goals the way like and russell wilson is two exceptions like he had four against buffalo Mm -hmm. so we've got six in two games yeah I think those early passes in the season to DK, DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett, they make you feel a certain way that you can throw the ball up and guys are going to go make plays, which is all fun and dandy. But as the season goes on, we've shown that those types of offenses do not work. We have a history of it in the NFL. And there were some really telling quotes after the game that uh, Pete Carroll sounded a little bit worried about Russell's decision-making. And Russell basically said, well, we're going to move on next week and what's in the past is in the past. And it's like, when did Russell Wilson turn into Sammy Sosa and Mark McGuire? I'm not here to talk about the past. I'm not here. To... It's like, no, you kind of have to answer for the game that you just had and the bonehead plays that you had. 
right now Seattle's in the seventh spot. They're six and three. They're two games clear of of the, as you say, the Chicago Bears, who should give up on the season. So, I mean, they're looking like they're definitely a playoff team. Them and the Rams and the Cardinals are in a three-way tie. Arizona has the lead in the division. But, I mean, they're going to make the playoffs unless something crazy happens. They're one of those teams, though, that, I mean, they're definitely dangerous. Like, Seattle can absolutely go beat New Orleans or Arizona or Green Bay or any of those teams. But they could also give up 500 yards in said game also. So, yeah. again, I mean, they were they were out their top two running backs. That makes a difference. We've talked about the running game all year with teams, you know, running play action and stuff like that. Seattle tries to be a running team with Wilson being the, the complimentary, but now Wilson is the guy. He was their leading rusher with 60 yards. So, again, is it time to panic in Seattle? Eh, it's not time to sit down and relax. I mean, I can tell you that. <laughs> yeah, and I was incorrect. You didn't throw four interceptions last week. It was two interceptions and two and fumbles. Two fumbles, yeah. that's right. So, yeah, so four interceptions in two games still isn't great, though. Well, <laughs> but six, you're... <laughs> turnovers in two games isn't that great either. <laughs> yeah, I know, but you're exactly right. Like, I think he just... It's almost like, do we need to remind Russell Wilson the Legion of Boom isn't back there? Like, he can't just be, like, throwing it around the yard. Like, he, it's, it's – when you have the best defense, you are super conservative with your quarterback. But when you have a terrible defense, you're, you just let your quarterback open up. It's like, other way around, Pete Carroll. Other way around. It, it is the – it is the this – is, this is a really fancy word. I just made this up. This is the collegiatization – of the NFL. It's of uh, these spread offenses and this Big 12 football and even conferences like the Big 10 and in some places in the SEC are doing it where defense is secondary where they just think listen we're going to put our guys out there we're going to throw the ball we're going to open it up and you will make less plays than us. And that's all fine and dandy playing Madden but not the way in the NFL and we've seen teams get bitten by this before. So again, I don't know what Seattle does you know, Pete Carroll wants to use some of that money that he just got to, you know, do a team building exercise or, you know, go on a, a trip somewhere with them to, you know, center themselves. I don't know what it's going to take, but they need to do it because, I mean, forget about Russell Wilson's MVP status right now. The, the division is slipping from them and, you know, a, a, a not fun playoff season is staring them right down in the face. Speaking of playoff season, the Buffalo Bills at the Arizona Cardinals, the in my opinion, the game of the year so far. Obviously, we all know anybody who's listening knows how the game ended. Um, Sean, would you like to go over how the game ended? No? You don't want to? No? Actually, I, I believe right now I'm being told in our ear from our producer we have the actual – oh, we have the actual call from the Buffalo announcers? Oh, okay. Let's go to that right now. Uh, all right, we're we're here in Arizona, and Josh Allen just solidified his MVP status, and uh, Buffalo getting ready to close this game out. Kyler Murray, little guy back there, scrambling around. Oh, 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 they got him. They got him. Oh, wait, no, he's sliding. Uh, oh, oh, he throws the ball. Uh, it's all right. It looks far. Oh, we got three guys down there. No big deal. Wait, wait, what's that? He caught, he caught the ball? No, he didn't catch the ball. We, we, we knocked it out, right? Ah, fuck, fuck, fuck. Arizona caught the ball. We're going. We're out of here. We're shutting everything down. Buffalo Bills out. 
Wow, thank you for that. I, I had no I had no idea that we'd get the actual audio from the game. Uh, thank you, producer, for, for that. Sean, what was it like listening to that live? Uh, it was uh, it was not cool. I'm not gonna lie. My son was cheering for Arizona and, and it was uh, not a good time. <laughs> I'm you know what? We paid for that audio, so it's okay. We'll be able to play it. It's all right, we don't have to cut that part out. Uh, <laughs> you're, you're, obviously that was that Buffalo went down they scored the what a lot of people thought was the game winning touchdown the go ahead touchdown and then of course the um, the Hail Mary or the Hail Murray as everybody's calling it I hate when they do that god that's so annoying um, for anybody who was wondering I had both Stefan Diggs and Kyler Murray on my fantasy team so just so you know I cleaned up and yes Sean I know nobody cares about fantasy it doesn't matter. We haven't talked about it in a while. I'm talking about it. I'm talking about it. You were just jonesing to say that, eh? I Nobody was. cares I was... about fantasy. <laughs> Nobody cares about fantasy, Joe. Nobody. Nobody cares. My question, is it my turn? Uh, no, it's my turn. No, it's your turn. Okay, what's your yeah. question coming out of Buffalo and Arizona? My question is, as heartbreaking as that loss was, um, there was a reason that we felt confident in in that win was because there was a but not much time left for Arizona. Mm-hmm. Now Buffalo got the ball back with way more time than they should have, and Kingsbury made an equally bad choice last week because his kicker missed the field goal. Will this win overshadow the fact that Kingsbury does not make good decisions late in games? The short answer is yes. Kingsbury is in the very early stages of what I like to call Andy Reidism. Andy Reid is a guy who was a very <laughs> you like that? You like that? It's very early stages, but he has problems with the clock. He has some problems with clock management and timeouts and making decisions that benefit his team. And despite all that, they win. So you can go back and look at Andy Reid in Philadelphia in the early stages, and that absolutely makes sense. Of course, Kingsbury's younger than Reid was at that point, but that's just because Kingsbury got the job at such a young age. The real question is, is the... Does Kingsbury have people in his ear who point this out to him, and how long will it take him to learn? Because Andy Reid was a laughingstock for years for his clock decision and his challenge and timeout management. I mean, Bill Simmons had been making fun of it 10, 15 years ago, and, and other back people. Back when he wrote. Back, back when he was a writer. So, <laughs> back when he was a writer. Hey, I used to write too, just not as successfully. So, <laughs> the, now teams don't have that kind of patience. So as long as it's not affecting, I mean, you're not going to get a Hail Mary play every game, obviously. So I do think it will overshadow, but it is concerning because every time Arizona wins, it always seems like there's a caveat. But did you see Kingsbury do this? But did you see Kingsbury do that? And there's only so many times that can happen before the higher ups, whether it's management or ownership, take a step in and say, Cliff. Like, you, you've got to get this under control. Like, you have one of the best young talents in football. He can't value you out every time, and we don't want to watch you waste him. 
Yeah, that's about as much as I want to talk about that game. No, uh, no, 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 no. You don't get to back out. You don't get to back out. <laughs> no, I, like I watched it happen in real time. I like I heard everybody talk about last week and yeah. I didn't see that one. But I was like looking back. I'm like, yeah, he should have probably gone for it. And then if they didn't make it, they had time for the defense to get get the ball, potentially get the ball back. Mm-hmm. But he was playing for a tie. And then I'm watching them. And I'm like, oh man! After the Bills got that last that last stop, I can't remember if it was an interception or not, and they lost the ball with like four minutes left. And I'm like, oh man, that's the game. I was just like, <laughs> oh, they'll just because they were like Arizona was running all over Buffalo, mm-hmm. and then they happened to get a stop. They like got a stop, called the timeout, and then he started throwing. And I was like, what are you doing? Why are you throwing the ball? Yeah. <laughs> and it was bad plays and then Buffalo got the ball back and had a chance to win <laughs> I was like oh my god yeah. that was horrendous by Kingsbury yeah again it, he's he's in the early stages of Andy Reidism so hopefully he gets some help and somebody steps in and talks to him uh, other than that I'm not sure what happens if it's just youth or inexperience or whatever it is Speaking of youth and inexperience, our next game is the Los Angeles Chargers at the Miami Dolphins. This, of course, was built up as the the Justin Herbert versus Tua Tungavailoa game. And, I mean, it kind of was. You know, I mean, neither quarterback went out and, you know, lit the world on fire. Of course, Miami's defense and special teams has pretty much this whole year been really good. So they were able to, to get, make some plays, and Miami beat them 29-21. to 21. Again, I don't. I think there was a lot of pressure put on the quarterbacks. I mean, not that they listened to all of us out here, the fans and the talking heads, which were both. But yeah, everybody expected, oh, it's going to be 400 yards and 10 touchdowns and and you know all this other stuff. And it's like this is Tua's third start. Like Herbert's still you know working and they're coming across country and all this other stuff. And they've got their own demons that we've talked about where we said that. They just might want to move out of California and maybe the whole United States. I think I tried to send them to Vancouver last week. So there's all <laughs> kinds, of, there's there's all kinds of stuff going on with the Chargers. Uh, the question I have coming out of this game should not will should the Chargers record be held against Justin Herbert's chances for offensive uh, player of the year, the for rookie offensive player of the year. No, I absolutely don't think so. Like in the NBA, if there's like the a rookie on a bad team can win rookie of the year if they play lights out basketball and like put up good stats. And Dustin Herbert's playing really well, and I don't think the well, I don't believe the Chargers will have a better record with Tyrod Taylor out there. No. I would say Justin Herbert's equal to if not better than Tyrod Taylor the record isn't his fault. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so no. that I, I don't think it should. I don't think it should either. The problem is that he's slowly losing a grip on it anyway. I think Burrow had an early lead. Herbert came in, lit the world on fire, looked like the six foot five, strong-armed Adonis that every quarterback whisperer wants to have on their team. But then you've had players like Justin Jefferson, the wide receiver from Minnesota, of course, Tua, I mean, I think Tua's been okay. I don't think he's been, like, a world beater yet. 
there's actually something I want to get back to him real quick before we leave this game. Those guys are coming on. So the offensive rookie of the year, I mean, again, I don't want to keep referring back to the last pod, but before we talked about that there was no races in this season that are locked. There's no offensive rookie of the year, defensive rookie of the year, offensive player of the year. Like, there's nothing that – like, who's the coach of the year? Well, I could name, like, five coaches that deserve it right now. So, yeah. again, it's still fluid, and there's so much going on. Before we leave, I know we do one question, but there was a quote that came out from Tua, and I'm not going to lie. I didn't like it. I didn't like it at all. He said that he thought that the NFL would be harder, that, you know, so far in these first three games, he thought the NFL would be harder. If I'm not mistaken, I believe Leonard Fournette made that same comment a few Oof. years ago in his first season in Jacksonville. And uh, not to ruin the end of the story, but Leonard Fournette is no longer in Jacksonville, and he never won anything. So I, I, I think it's I'm all for guys having confidence. That is great. Guys, they have reached their goal of making it to the NFL, which is already hard enough. He was a first-round pick. I mean, all kudos in the world to him. I don't like when young players do this, though. And this was brought up, and Shannon Sharp talked about this. He said every time this year that Tua makes a bad play, a defender, every time he takes a sack, every time he throws a bad pass, something happens. There's going to be a defender in his face saying, oh, is it too easy for you still? Is it too easy for you still? Like, this is the kind of shit that just drives guys nuts. And I, I just thought, you're three games in. You've done fine. You've been good. You don't need to say things like that. I just think it's a, a small misstep from Tua. What do you think? Yeah, I agree with you. I He can be confident. He's an amazing player. He's a great quarterback. Um, it was uh, fantastic that the Dolphins fell to him and got him where they mm -hmm. got him in the draft. But, yeah, football is one of those sports that I think – you don't say stuff like that, <laughs> like especially mm -hmm. as a quarterback. Now you've got like defensive blitzes and like, they're going to come after him. They're going to rough him up. It's because there's no, yeah. it, there's no protection in the NFL. Really? Uh, like, it's not like you can get protected like a Jordan or somebody or a LeBron or somebody gets protect yep. can get protected in the NBA. Like, if we know, if we've seen anything, the NFL doesn't give a fuck about the players. Yeah. I mean, They're they just, care, they yeah, care they do, a little but bit not, about the Not the way the NBA does. Like, <laughs> no. not the way the NBA protects their stars. Like, he the is, NFL is open season almost. He is a young, undersized cocky quarterback good luck young man yeah and and they're they're right now they're in the playoffs they're a half game back to buffalo they're in the sixth spot in the afc so i mean he's doing again he's doing well i mean fitzpatrick put him in position and he hasn't lost so he's doing like again really good just watch what you wish for yeah say that at the end of the season when it can be died down <laughs> yeah exactly Moving on to our next game, the Denver Broncos went to Las Vegas and they did not cash their chips. They lost to Las Vegas 37 to 12. We talked about Vegas last week about them being kind of a dangerous team. They're actually the five seed right now. They're they're ahead of Miami. They have the tiebreaker over them. Sean, do you have anything? I mean, we don't have to go into depth in every game, but do you have anything Denver at Las Vegas? Anything that you saw or anything that you have a question coming out of the game? 
does Denver know that they should stop trying for the playoffs? Oh, I I don't think they're trying for the okay. playoffs. All right, I, so, I so they're, they're on the same page as everybody else. That's good. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> the sad part is they have some really good offensive young players. Um, excuse me, Cortland Sutton being hurt this year didn't help. They thought Drew Locke would be the guy. He got banged up. I just think, again, I think next year we talked about it, it was last week or the week before. I think Denver's in for kind of a hard reset of trying to find another quarterback, you know, putting some players around them. They've, they've had – as everybody has this year, they've had some bad luck with injuries. So we'll see what they do. But, yeah, I don't really have much coming out of this game. I mean, just Las Vegas is winning the games they're supposed to win. And you can yeah. say, oh, they only beat Denver. Well, guess what? They didn't lose to Denver. Like, you, you want teams to, to take these Shit. steps, and you want them to get to the playoffs. And you're like, well, can Gruden do it? Well, guess what? A couple years ago when Gruden came back, maybe he loses that game against Denver. This year he didn't. So, I mean <laughs> – Beat the teams you're supposed to beat. That's what it is. It's it, it's kind of like an old baseball cliche where they talk about, oh, they only beat the bad teams. Well, what do you want them to do? Lose? Like, and they beat, beat the bad teams. teams. <laughs> and like, they beat a good team. So. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, yeah. Guess what? They should beat Denver by 25 at home. And they did. So, again, that's really all I have to take from that game. <laughs> the next game... Excuse me. The next game is Tampa Bay at Carolina. Tampa Bay coming off, again, that really bad loss to, to the Saints. They come back and scored 46 points. Carolina only scored 23, but Teddy Bridgewater went down with a knee injury. I haven't heard the extent of how bad it is. I know there was some caution at first, but it looks like he should be okay. It's not, the, it's, it's not as serious, obviously, as the knee injury that almost ended his career. But, you know, Tom Brady has 341 yards. Ronald Jones had a 98-yard run. They came back and they beat the shit out of, you know, Carolina. So my question coming out of this game is, outside of the Saints, is there a team in the NFC that can beat Tampa Bay? Or is it just the Saints, the kryptonite, and they hope not to run into them in the playoffs? Well, basically, outside of the Saints – and the Saints have a good defense is you have to ensure you have a good defense because the only other loss they have is to the Bears, who happen to have a pretty good defense. Uh, they kept the Bears in that game last night against Minnesota. So they just happen to have a really bad off, a really bad quarterback selection. So I think that's if Tampa Bay doesn't play against a strong defense, I don't see them losing many more games. I think they keep on rolling and the NFC South is looking top heavy and bottom heavy. Yeah. Well, and that, that breeze injury that we talked about earlier lingers so much because yeah. right now the saints are seven and two Tampa seven and three, but if Tampa can you know keep stacking up wins, the saints, every single game, they're going to be looking over their shoulder that, that, you know, Tampa Bay's right behind them waiting to take that spot because there aren't going to be fans, but there is something about playing in that dome. And I don't think Tampa wants to go there. And right now, those teams, along with whoever's going to win the NFC West, the playoff picture in the NFC is tight, especially at the top. I mean, Green Bay's 7-2. The Saints are 7-2. Arizona is 6-3. and 
Tampa Bay seven and three. The Rams are six and three. The Seahawks are six and three. I mean, these are all teams that are right there. If you're wondering, wait a minute, Joe, you only listed six teams. The other team is the Eagles. Fuck the Eagles. They're three, five, and one. They're not getting home field advantage. So it doesn't matter. So yeah. again, like I absolutely believe Tampa can beat any team in the NFC. I even think they can beat the Saints, but those two, the two losses especially, just linger over them so bad. And the first game of the year, you know, Brady, you could say, oh, he was getting this, he was getting that, and, you know, whatever, he was getting used to stuff. The one last week, I mean, it was just an ass-whooping. Yeah, like, inexcusable. There's, there's, there's no reason, like, just an ass-whooping. So, <laughs> you know what I mean? It's just, again, one of those things. But do you have anything else to, to talk about in that game? No. No, just uh, we fi- we're basically just trying to figure out what the heck's going on with Tampa Bay and New Orleans. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's really you, – you can't talk about one without the other. Yeah. Speaking of the terrible, shitty, no-good Philadelphia Eagles, they played at the New York Giants, and guess what? They lost. Uh <laughs> The, the thought that I had before this game was, could the Giants win the division? And I think a lot of people who listened maybe were dismissive, including you, Sean. Uh, but guess what? If it weren't for that stinking tie, uh, the Giants would be a lot closer to the division lead. They're currently in second place. They have the same amount of wins as Philadelphia, but of course Philadelphia has that tie. So, I, I mean, Daniel Jones again... They are, are beat up. He's looked really athletic and really good. I know he went to Duke, so you have this affinity for him. But it, it just – Philadelphia is just bad. Garbage. And they're in position to win. Like, all they had to do was run the ball. Miles Sanders had 85 yards. Like, they had this game, and they just do dumb things. And I keep hearing about, like, Frank Reich leaving is a big deal, and it was a big deal. You know what, Doug Peterson? Then don't write a fucking book. If you're going to be like, if if the reason the team's falling apart is because, you know, the offensive coordinator left and he's the one who called the plays and did all this stuff, then don't write a damn book. Don't try and, you know, make us You had a great run to the Super Bowl. You won. That's fantastic. But I, I just, I'm so sick of the Eagles. And I really hope Lane Johnson is having as much fun as he possibly can. So did you want my question about the game? Yeah, I'm here. No, I, oh, I I just wanted to I wanted to take a shot at Lane Johnson and I wanted to you know just talk about how much I hate the Eagles because they beat the <laughs> Patriots in the Super Bowl and screw them. So well, yeah, what's what's your question coming out of the game? <laughs> so you'll be glad to know it's not about the Eagles. Good. Uh, it's about the Giants. And, yeah, I don't think I'll doubt you again with regards to the Giants because did you know that the Giants have a winning record in the NFC least? (laughs) I did did know that. Do you know how I know? How? It's because they've beaten the NFC East three times and they only have three wins, which means that they've lost to every other opponent (laughs) that's not in the (laughs) NFC East. So, as a matter of fact, I did know that. But it's wow. I mean, talk talk about a division that's just. Can I can I give you the records? Can I give you the records of the NFC East? Yeah. This is please. this is give just, it to me. Give it to me. 
this is just you don't even uh i'm so mad I Shea believe. serrano goes give it to me give it to me give, give it to me just give it to me now just, just straight no no chaser yeah. no chaser all right the nfc east is currently led by the i don't i shouldn't i can't believe i'm taking time to do this it's currently being led by the philadelphia eagles who have a record of three five and one which for those of you at home who don't know is a 389 winning percentage if that were tony gwynn in the late 90s that'd be an amazing batting average for an nfl team through nine games it sucks Second place is the New York Giants, who come in at a very fanciful 3-7, and seven, a 300 winning percentage. Again, a baseball player, you're a good batter at 300. As an NFL team, through 10 games, you're pretty terrible. And pulling up the rear, tied, are my D.C. Vipers at 2-7, and seven, along with the Dallas Cowboys, and God knows who their quarterback is at 2-7. and seven. And their winning percentages are 222. That if you were a Major League Baseball player, you would no longer be a Major League Baseball player because they'd send your terrible ass down to the minors. That, folks, is your NFC East. <laughs> and they're going to get a home playoff game. Yeah, just one. Just one. It's a pity. <laughs> and it's, listen, I don't, say, I don't say just one because I, God knows. <laughs> Who knows? All right, I we gotta stop. Well, they about wouldn't the... get a playoff game going forward. Oh, would they? Because if if somebody knocks somebody off, oh yeah, if there's an upset, you go by the higher oh, seed. Yeah. That's, oh, that sucks. If Seattle change that rule, well, yeah, that's some shit. Go by record. Well, it doesn't. It goes by seed. Change.org. Change Change.org. Jeez, I think we have more pressing issues, Sean. All right, we need to speed this up because we got basketball talk to get to. Uh, the next game on the schedule was Jacksonville at Green Bay. We talked about this being a trap game, or how it shouldn't be a trap game for Green Bay, but it kind of turned into one. Was. So Jacksonville, again, traveled to Green Bay. Green Bay wins 24-20. to 20. Uh, I mean, just a hiccup for Green Bay? Is, is that what it is? Uh does Green Bay need to worry about their run defense or their defense in general going forward? Absolutely. Like, mm-hmm. Jacksonville should not have scored 20 points on them. Jacksonville was starting somebody called Jake Luton. Yes. <laughs> who nobody had heard of before he had to come in. Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> and Aaron Rodgers only put up 24 points. Like, what was going on? So, yeah, if your defense, yeah, if your offense is going to put up that many points, you need to be worried about your defense if they're letting up that many points against Jacksonville. Yes. I actually thought Jake Luton was one of those pitchmen that talks about soy-free, gluten-free, sugar-free stuff in the middle of the night, (laughs) and I thought that his pitch was, I'm Jake Luton-free. So uh, that's great, and you can send money my way for my great jokes. Uh, yeah, there's really not much else. Again, Green Bay, you know, Rodgers threw for 325, about a scantling, caught a long touchdown in his first game back. But, again, you get the win. You beat a bad team. You struggled, but I don't know. The weather these this weekend played some havoc. I'm not sure how much it played in Green Bay, but it's just – some of these scores were a little bit closer than I thought they should have been. 
this next game, I'm not sure what the hell the score was supposed to be, but uh, my DC Vipers unfortunately lost at the Detroit Lions, 30 to 27. Matt Prater kicked a 59-yard field goal as time expired after. Alex Smith led a furious comeback. He threw for 390 yards. Granted, he threw the ball about 600 times, but still, almost 400 yards passing is is nothing to scoff at. DeAndre Swift had a really big game, which you actually called in in our pre in our uh, our pre show. You talked about how they should check out DeAndre Swift more and about getting a running back. So I did listen back to that, and you were very astute on that, Sean. They went to Swift and excuse me, and it. it made a big deal. They were able to get the win. So what's your question coming out of this game? It's does Detroit think that they can actually make the playoffs? Oh God, no, I hope not. Like Matt Patricia should have been out of there. You're Uh, right. They got the win and they were playing well, but like it, like, they are really close to the playoffs, but do they think they can make it? I I, I mean, the players? Sure. Uh, I mean, I don't know. They're, they're in the 10 spot. The record's 4-5. and five. They're a game and a half behind Seattle, but that NFC West is so jumbled up. I'm thinking all three teams make it. So, again... What they're doing is they're trying to chase down Seattle on the Rams. It's a chance they make it. I mean, they're with Minnesota, too. So, I mean, them and Minnesota have the same record. So, if we're going to talk about Minnesota having a chance, I guess we have to think Detroit. But I personally think Minnesota's a better team than Detroit. So, when they go head-to-head, I'm going to think Minnesota gets that win. So, no, I don't think that they're – I don't think they have a chance at making the playoffs. Yeah. I mean, do you? No. Okay. No, they. Yeah, I think they should try and look at maybe getting a replacement for Stafford, and yeah. getting him out there and getting something for him. Mm-hmm. Well, to our last game of the weekend, which was the first game of the weekend, the Houston Texans and Deshaun Watson and whoever the hell is on that team traveled up to Cleveland, which was, man, outside of New England, the worst weather it looked like. That was the game was actually <laughs> delayed at the start for lightning, so it was really bad up there. Cleveland ends up holding on, winning 10-7 to over Houston. Of course, we know what happened at the end with Nick Chubb stepping out of bounds when he had a clear touchdown. I don't want to get into that. That'll be something for the talking heads to get into. Personally, I think he should have just scored, but yeah, Again, I don't we're, understand. We're, like, you I, won by three. Just, you would have been up by ten. Yeah. Yeah. Like, it, yeah. Again, I don't want to spend any time on it just because everybody's talked about it to death. But what is your – I guess my question coming out of, of the game is, can the Cleveland defense, and specifically Miles Garrett, drag the Browns not only into the playoffs but into possibly making some noise in the playoffs? I think so, because I remember I was checking in. I checked in late on that game, and I saw it was like 3 nothing. and you had mentioned that you were watching it, and I was like, oh, it sounds like you're getting a barn, a doozy over there, and you didn't seem dismissive of the game. You said it was actually a really good defensive battle. So if it was, you know, that good of a defensive battle and the running back duo – played pretty well just mm-hmm. couldn't get into the end zone a ton like guess it was basically between the 20s is where a lot of the stuff happened yeah so 
Like, I think they can do it because they won that game. They won ugly. So, mm. yeah. It's not like the yeah. Texans are slouches on defense either. Yeah, I mean, the game itself was interesting just because there was a lot of defensive prowess in the game on both sides. Garrett got his league leading, I think it was 10th sack. So that was really interesting, especially in nine games. Again, it's it's been documented. I'm not a Mayfield fan. I just think he's limited. That game, nobody could have really put up numbers, you know, offensively in the passing game. So I don't hold that game specifically against Mayfield. But it also showed the limitations. I mean, when you draft players, you have to think about how they fit into your system and stuff. When Indianapolis was drafting defense in the 2000s, they were drafting guys that could run on that turf fast because they knew they had an advantage when they had Dwight Freeney and they had um, – oh, this name just escaped me. But the guy who's across from uh, Freeney on the other side. Uh, Robert Mathis, Robert Mathis, uh, when they drafted those guys, they knew that they would get a half a second edge because they trained on the track. They basically ran indoors all the time. So if Cleveland expects to go in the playoffs and to be competitive in the AFC North, if you have a short quarterback who can't, again, not this game specifically, but a short quarterback who can't throw in the wind, or cut through that wind like a Josh Allen can, then you are going to be limited in what you're able to do, and you're going to have to depend on a running game and a defense. Now, to Cleveland's credit, they've built a good defense and a really good running game. So when it comes time to contract negotiations, I hope that somebody in the front office says, listen, Baker, we're not here because of you. So we're going to pay you accordingly as if it's not just you. Yeah, that makes sense. And then he can go to Minnesota and they'll overpay for him. Oh, as per usual. <laughs> I've never been to Minnesota, but I hear it's lovely. I really don't want to, to, you know, give the Minnesota people that much. Before we get out of here, we want to go over the playoff standings. We kind of alluded to them, but we'll read down through here. Now, we're just going to go through the one through seven seeds. Right now in the AFC East, you have the Pittsburgh Steelers at 9-0. and the Kansas City Chiefs at eight and one, the Buffalo Bills at seven and three, the Indianapolis Colts at six and three, the Las Vegas Raiders at six and three, the Miami Dolphins at six and three, and the last team in the playoffs right now are the Baltimore Ravens at six and three. So that is your AFC playoffs as of right now. In the NFC, it's a little bit tighter. The Green Bay Packers at seven and two are the number one seed. Then you have New Orleans at seven and two. The Arizona Cardinals at six and three. The Philadelphia Eagles at three, five, and one. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers <laughs> at seven and three. The Los Angeles Rams at six and three. And the last team in the playoffs as of right now are the Seattle Seahawks at six and three. I love so, the NFC's graph. I love how it's, it's like so <laughs> just, just a drastic drop and then a spike back up. It's just so bad. It's so bad. It's as a football fan, it is so infuriating. It's so infuriating. Um, is there anything else you want to talk about NFL related before we hop into the NBA real quick? No, I didn't really have anything. What about yourself, Joe? Um, well, I was going to use it for my final thought, but I'll say it right now. The, the Pro Bowl was announced today that they are going all virtual. They're going to make it a quote unquote 
same fan experience that the players and fans have never had, but will be, you know, fun and exciting and all that. It's basically going to be Madden 21, some version of it, and it's going to be fucking terrible. But the Pro Bowl itself is terrible, so I'm not really sad about it. I do believe that what they should do is they should put this opportunity to really change what the Pro Bowl is and what they're doing. I would love to see a skills-based competition. I don't know if you're old enough to remember when they had, like, the farthest throw competition for quarterbacks. And they oh, had, yeah. and I don't, I don't need like all the fancy stuff they have now. They literally just had like golf carts with targets that went across, and they had footballs with blue chalk on the end, and wherever you hit it was like you add the points and stuff. Like, give me that. I yeah, want I that. That those things and, are awesome. And yeah, they're awesome because you know what I want to see? I want to see Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen try and hit the target from 50 yards away while it's moving, like because they have cannon arms and they can do it. So. That's the kind of show I see. And you want to know what else you do? Make it like the NBA. Pick captains, and those are your teams for the skills competition. Yeah, that's a, that's a good idea. I really like that. I remember I had that game. That, it was like the quarterback's challenge. I had mm-hmm. a Game Boy game of that. It was awesome with, like, Randall Cunningham, yeah. John, El- or, yeah, John Elway, and, like, Boomer Esiason. Yep. <laughs> And, and you know what else you can do? And this, I'll refer this if you want a chance, go to sidelinecoverage.com. There's an old article I wrote about changing the combine. And what I would like to see is you say, well, okay, it's quarterbacks. What about wide receivers? What about linemen? Great. I have something for the linemen. It's the, com- it's the competitive bench press. You put 225 or put 250 on the bar. And then you get one player from each side, from each team, and you bench press against each other at the same time. You put two minutes on the clock, and whoever does the most bench presses moves on to the next round. That's how you do it. What's that? A sled race. Yeah, something. You know, do tug of war. Do something. I mean, there's all kinds of stuff to do that people will tune into because guess what? I don't want to watch the Pro Bowl game anymore. I'd much rather this. And you don't have to make it look all futuristic. Sometimes the bare bones is the fun stuff. So, again, I don't want to stick too long on that. But we are going to get into the NBA here real quick before we go because we're recording this on Tuesday night. Excuse me. And Wednesday is the draft. The trade moratorium actually ended. We talked about it on our last pod. It actually ended Monday at noon. Free agency starts Friday. There has been a ton of news, but we want to get into the biggest deals that have been going on. Of course, the biggest deal that happened after we recorded our pod was Chris Paul going to the Phoenix Suns, which was not all that surprising, I guess, because it had been rumored for, what would you say, a couple weeks? Apparently, yeah. He was rumored to a few different places, but I remember – Phoenix being one of them, and yeah. Yeah, and I don't hate what Phoenix gave up. I think they have a lot of good young talent still, obviously with with Booker, with Aiton, things of that sort. So it it does make a lot of sense. And, I mean, if you're Phoenix, you're not going to get somebody to go sign there, so you might as well trade to match up with the players that you already have in place. And the good thing is, is Paul, as much of a fan as I'm not of his, he absolutely makes sense for them. 
I mean, he absolutely makes sense just on the simple fact that he's going to play the pick and roll with Aiden. He's going to be able to facilitate with Booker. And guess what? Booker's a shooter. So now he has a guy who's going to be able to get him the ball to shoot. Yeah, he doesn't have to create off the dribble as much. And I I was just surprised because Sarver's always been a really cheap owner. Um, There was that viral video of, like, an old woman cussing him out. That was amazing. Um, But, yeah, it was was a good trade for the Suns because, yeah, Booker wants out. So let's try and keep Booker so we give him a point guard. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Another deal that was the first deal I really saw, which I kind of liked whenever I saw it, is the Los Angeles Lakers uh, apparently are trading Danny Green and a 2020 first-round pick, which is number 28, because, of course, they won the title, to the Oklahoma City Thunder for Dennis Schroeder. Now, I remember Schroeder when he's a really young guy. I believe he was in Atlanta, and he was kind of the, the backup point guard for those really good Hawks teams. And, you know, he was kind of supposed to be the future, and he ended up not really being that, and then OKC got him, and he, you know, he did okay. But I kind of like that move for L.A. I mean, Danny Green was a guy, he was a one-year player, basically. He was going to go there, try and win a title, and he did. But I kind of like that deal for L.A. What about you? Yeah, it's a good one. They have a a good young point guard now because mm-hmm. Rajon Rondo's a little on the older side. Can't play as many minutes. Um, so well, I, I think, di- I think Rondo's gone. But. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. He could be for all we know, but yeah, it's a good point guard and he plays good defense, which you like to see on that team to make up for times when James doesn't want to play defense. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, it's a good trade for them. It, they got something for Danny Green, so like, I yeah. think they, they upgraded <laughs> that way. Like, yeah, a really good trade. The Of course, the two biggest trades outside the Chris Paul trade that happened, they both happened with the same team, the Milwaukee Bucks. The first trade, and I have this pulled up so I get this right, is the Milwaukee Bucks receive shooting guard Drew Holiday and a 2020 second-round pick, which is number 60, and... The Pelicans get, oh my, let me read this. Point guard Eric Bledsoe, which I think makes a lot of sense. Point guard George Hill, okay. A 2020 first rounder, a 2024 first round swap rights, a 2025 unprotected first rounder, a 2026 first round swap rights, and a 2027 first rounder. I mean... People talk about three first-round picks for Drew Holiday. Those are so far out. I don't think it's as big of a deal as people are making it. Do you? No, not if they keep Giannis. Those are just going to be late-rounders. Yeah. The, the swap may not even happen because mm-hmm. there's no way New Orleans is not is going to have a better pick than – or not, is not going to have a better pick than Milwaukee. Like, Milwaukee's pick is always going to be worse. Yeah. So I think it's it's amazing that they were able to get off of Bledsoe. Like, yeah. Yeah. Right. And now we've seen the price. Like that was the price to get off of Bledsoe. Exactly. <laughs> it was like half for Drew Holiday, half for taking Bledsoe. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe even three quarters. <laughs> the the other move the Bucks made, which 
again, I like both trades. Milwaukee gets shooting guard Bogdan Bogdanovich and shooting guard, or yeah, shooting guard Justin James, and they give up Dante DiVincenzo, power forward uh, Ersan Ilyasova, and power forward DJ Wilson. I know DiVincenzo came in after that run. I think he played at Georgetown, correct, when they oh, won the Villanova. title. Or I'm sorry, Villanova. That's right, yeah, not yeah. Georgetown. Villanova when they won the title. And, you know, he had a lot of upside and kind of the athletic, token, light-skinned guy. And uh, it, he just, I don't know, he never materialized. So I really, really like that deal for Milwaukee. I actually, and I love Drew Holiday. I wanted to see the Pacers take a run at him, possibly, especially if they were going to get rid of all the depot. But I like that deal better. Wh- which of those two deals do you like more for Milwaukee? Obviously, both were made in the interest of trying to keep Giannis. That's 100% clear. But which one of those deals do you like more for Milwaukee? Uh, Drew Holiday for Eric Bledsoe. I like that deal more for Milwaukee. I think it because just because Drew Bledsoe was such a bad contract and had become such a bad mm-hmm. contract because they signed him too early because um, it was like a bad contract like a month after he signed it when they entered the playoffs and he just like fell off the face of the earth. So getting off of him and getting Drew Holiday is excellent. But the other trade's just as good because they got something for, to be honest, people that weren't really playing in the rotation. Like DJ Wilson, I'm not sure I saw DJ Wilson outside of like a game or two in the bubble. And Ilyasova was here and there. But DiVincenzo, same thing. But like to get Bogdan Vangonovich for like that is... Or was it Boyan or Bogdan? I can't remember. No, it's Bogdan, not Boyan. Boyan Bogdanovich is yeah. in Utah. Okay, and yeah, he yeah, was yeah. injured. No, this is Bogdan. This is yeah, yeah. Bog- yeah, I keep those two. Yeah, I know. <laughs> and they're yeah, not so related, they, so. <laughs> no, and but like so to get something for what they gave up, like to get that for what they gave up, I thought they did well. Uh huh. Well, those were the trades that happened. Of course, we'll, we'll finish here up in the NBA with some trades that are, are rumored or some players that are rumored on the move. Uh, if Again, unless you've been living under a rock, you've heard that the Houston Rockets are, I don't know, they're lighting themselves on fire. I don't know what the hell's going on down in Houston. Uh, Russell Westbrook wants out. James Harden wants out. Apparently, there's been talks. Now the Rockets are, are willing to get uncomfortable and to hold these guys through the season. I believe Harden is signed through 2022, and he declined an option, a two-year extension that would give him $50 million a year, and he said no. So, I mean, that tells you all you need to know. Westbrook, again, we talked about it. I think he just wants his own team. I'm not sure he wants to go anywhere else. But the big rumor, of course, out there is that Harden wants to go to the Nets. Uh, in case you didn't know from last year's dismal performance, Kyrie Irving barely played and Kevin Durant was recovering from an injury. Does that... <sighs> I hate, hate, hate people who trash super teams. Players, if they can make the teams, are great. My problem is, don't make teams that don't make sense. Kevin Durant <laughs> went to the Warriors... Because he made sense. He fit into that. They basically traded Harrison Barnes for Kevin Durant two years later. Like, that's the upgrade you had at that position. 
So, but Harden doesn't make sense with Kyrie and Durant. Again, the reason that Bosch and Wade and LeBron worked is because they played different positions. I mean, they kind of forced Bosch to be a center, but we didn't know that that was going to be kind of the modernization of, of the NBA. But Harden, Durant, and Irving just don't make sense. Do they? Or am I just not seeing something? We've been questioning whether Irving and Durant are going to be able to play together because they still haven't. And now we're going to, because they both need the ball in their hands. Durant mm-hmm. can't be off the ball that much. Irving needs it in his hands a lot more. And now we're going to add in like somebody who literally does nothing when they don't have the ball. Like you could, li- he could literally just go and get a hot dog and it wouldn't be any different than what's happening when he doesn't have the ball. So yeah. how about we wait and see if Irving and Durant can work together before we add in Harden, the most ball-dominant player outside of, like, Luka Doncic. <laughs> and the, and it, it's... I've never been an Irving fan. I just... I haven't. I've never been a, a Kyrie Irving fan. The, the problem that I see, again, is like you said, when he went to Golden State, they moved the ball. Like... Durant likes that. He likes the ball moving because it helps him get more open shots. Not that he needs a whole lot of help being a seven-footer with a stroke like that, but it helps him get more open shots. Kyrie is not that guy. He's not passing the ball three times around the court like Steph Curry and Klay Thompson and Draymond Green and those guys did. That's just not going to happen. So I did did hear something funny (laughs) It would make sense for the Nets to include Kyrie in the deal, which would be, which which would be the, I mean, wow. And, I French mean, kiss. I mean, wow, yeah. You, you, can't, you can't get much more perfect than that. Would be to include Kyrie in the deal, because I don't know that he has a no trade clause. I mean, talk about blowing shit up, but I mean, wow, that that would be, uh, yeah. Mark this down because that that's something if, if it happens. Uh, again, there's there's not a whole lot of trade speculation that I've seen other than that, of course. Uh, the Celtics and Gordon Hayward had a deadline at 5 p.m. this evening to pick up his option. They actually got that pushed back to Thursday after the draft. They're trying to decide. He's trying to decide if they can move him, if he's going to take the money. I think it's $34.6 million, so... Uh, he's probably opting in, <laughs> just, uh, just 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 so you know. But, yeah, they're trying to find something there. Any other NBA talk going into that? Actually, one last question. Let me ask you this, and it doesn't have to do with uh, trades or anything like that. What team is going to screw up the draft on Wednesday night? What one team is just going to make a pick, whether it's in the top three or top five or even number one, where you're just going to be like, well, that fucked everything up. Uh, it's it's gotta be I don't know cause it's the the draft this year is so crazy mm-hmm. that I don't know if anybody's gonna get held accountable for making a crazy pick like I don't know if like uh, there is I don't know if there's like an Anthony Bennett in this draft or not like mm-hmm. if if Cole Anthony went one, people would like be like, "Whoa, that was nuts!" But like, 
it wouldn't be the craziest thing to happen. Like if somebody traded up for like Cole Anthony and took him way too early because mm-hmm. he's going like mid to late in a lot of the stuff I'm seeing. Yeah. So it's just, I don't, because I like Golden State's not going to do anything crazy. Like maybe Charlotte. At three, you think? At they three, could... like that's, or like Cleveland, if they draft like another point guard, like, then we're going to be like, what the fuck's going on? Well, I was going to say if Cleveland drafted like a center, like Drummond just, I think, opted in for $28 million. Like if Wiseman fell to them at five, I'm not sure that you want to necessarily take him at five and be like, oh, yeah. Wiseman's Wiseman's more agile. Um, He can handle the ball a little more. So he's not like it would be like if they took Vernon Carey, like another low down, like Mm -hmm. that would get crazy. Like, if they okay. took an exact Drummond replica, then, yeah, you're <laughs> right. You're exactly right. If they took, like, Drummond, this year's rookie Drummond, then, yeah, yeah that would be stupid. But, like, if James Wiseman's not – he can't really hold him to that one. Yeah. All right. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. I was starting to think, like, what's going to be the moment tomorrow night, whether I'm, you know, watching it on TV or following along on Twitter, that everybody's going to be like, oh, great, here we go. Like, now things are <laughs> – like, literally, the, the only thing that could be like, what the fuck, is like, if Washington traded away, like, Bradley Beal for, like, one or the first or second pick to take, like, a LaMelo ball or something like that, where it's like, we have no idea if he's that good, and you gave up somebody who actually is good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, exactly. Like, that's, this isn't the draft where you give up a known com- commodity. Yeah. Well... That's about all the news we have tonight. Do you have any final thoughts, Sean? Any any last things? I know you talked last week about the uh, the Mi'kmaq Nation up in Canada. A, a nice little piece. Is, is there anything else you'd like to talk about, sports related or not sports related, here at the end? Not really. I'm you know keeping it easy today, just relaxing. You know, wanted to talk about the NFL and the NBA. Tomorrow's going to be nuts with the NBA draft. So I it will be. So we'll see what happens there. It will be. Um, I'm glad that you don't because I'm about to go off here for a minute. Uh, <laughs> you're like, oh, shit, I'm hanging out. That's it. I'm done. Uh, now, I've had a real problem with the NCAA amateurism for a while. I, I have conflicted feelings. I do believe that student athletes should be compensated i'm not sure what's the best way to do it i'm not sure who should get it i'm not sure how much it should be it's one of those things it's kind of like uh they call them moonshot ideas you know with curing cancer and things of that sort where you know you set out a goal and then you figure out the details later but i do think that needs to be done and the reason i keep coming back to this point is because I don't know if you saw, but Wichita State basketball head coach, well, no longer head coach, Greg Marshall, has resigned from the school. An internal investigation into allegations of physical and verbal abuse was was being done. Now, you're like, well, okay, you know, that happens. You know, we saw Bobby Knight and things of that sort. The school and Marshall agreed to a contract settlement of $7.75 million to be paid over the next six years. So 
Greg Marshall can sit and do nothing and get paid $7.75 million. He can go get a job anywhere in the world and get paid $7.75 million. The reason he's getting paid $7.75 million is because he verbally and physically abused players. Think about that. I mean, what the hell are we doing? And then you see the report about LSU covering up sexual assaults. I believe it was uh, the running back Darius Geis and then many other players and students and things of this sort. I mean, I don't want to sound like Jason Whitlock here because I'm not trying to be that. But the NCAA, these universities, I mean, they need to burn to the ground and see which ones come up from the ashes. I mean, this is insane. You see these coaches get bought out, whether it's they go to the NFL or they go to another school or they quit or they have, you know, harassment charges or abuse allegations or, uh, you know, cheating scandals at schools and all this other stuff. And the coaches get paid. And do you know who suffers? It's the players. And it's the taxpayers of the states, too, because a lot of these schools are state schools. And the money comes from the state. And a lot of these states, states like Alabama and stuff, the highest paid state employee is not the governor. It's the football coaches. And it's by quite a large amount, too. And when I see that Greg Marshall, and and it's not like this is a he said, he said thing or anything like that. Like, it's been pretty well documented that Greg Marshall did this. And he's getting $7.75 million to not be the coach at Wichita State. I'll tell you what, Wichita State, give me 50 bucks. I'll coach your damn basketball team. Like, there has to be a system where these players, and it kind of happened after the Penn State scandal, where players were allowed to transfer without having um, to sit out a year. Because basically, like, you know, it was bad. You know, they no, almost no, got the death penalty. Oh, yeah, those guys, yeah. Yeah, so, yeah, with the, with the um, uh, Jerry Sandusky stuff and things of that sort. But, I mean, we always, you know, you talk about these players transferring and, you know, Joe Burrow transferred and, and all these other players. You know, some of them have to sit out a year. Some don't. There's hardship clauses. There's this. There's that. There's postgraduate. I'm sorry. Like, this just keeps happening. And I, I truly believe that Ed Orgeron and LSU have a, a real big problem on their hands. And, I mean, Ed Orgeron won a title last year, and he's very loved in the state of Louisiana. I'm not sure he survives this, and I'm not sure that he should. We saw this at Baylor. We saw this at Baylor on the football team. And let's not forget we saw this at Baylor at the basketball team. They had a player kill another player, and the coach defended the player. And talked about how, you know, like maybe there was a problem and and stuff like this. I mean, go check that story out about the Bayer. I can't remember his name, and I'm sorry that I can't remember his name. But the Baylor basketball player who killed a former teammate. I mean, there's a reckoning that needs to happen in the NCAA. And as we talk about society needed to do a better job, that includes on the college campuses. And the coaches and administrators are supposed to be the adults in the room. And when the adults in the room act like this, you damn well can't expect the kids to act like adults. So, again, I saw this earlier, and it just, it, it I'm, eye roll is not the right word. It made my blood boil, my eye rolled. I just, just shaking my head going, what the hell is going on? Like, when are we going to learn and fix this? So, I don't know. It, it's just, 
another one of those things to to go look at this, go find the stories, go read about what's going on, and, and just think about it this way: if that was your kid involved, wouldn't you want them to be held responsible, and wouldn't you want to have them do better and teach better? And God forbid that was your daughter, wouldn't you want to have justice for her and have her go to a place where she could feel comfortable in you know being able to do the ordinary things that you do as a college kid? So, um, Sean, anything to add to that? You're exactly right. Um, the way that the universities do that, they're like the most corrupt not-for-profit in the world because they always say they can't pay the players because they don't have any money. I, there was a Ringer article years ago, a few years ago, where the person laid out basically just paid the basketball team, football team, or whoever, the money that's coming from the Nikes and the Adidas's. Like when Louisville, like they got $70 million from Adidas and Rick Pitino was getting $10 million a year. <laughs> it's like, it didn't cost $70 million to run that program. Like people were getting paid more than they should have within that. So you could throw a few bucks at the students who have to deal with the harassment of being yelled at like an employee worse than an employee. Like I, if I ever yelled like that at a, as a manager at an employer. I ever get yelled at like that? I'd be fired so fast. Are you kidding me? But <laughs> yeah. these guys like get paid a severance, and then they can still double dip on top of that. Like, I can't work with my severance. Like, I can't double dip. Why does this yeah. guy making seven million get to double dip after he abused people? Yeah, and and before the before the woke brigade comes and says that you know oh that's just the way it is, I'm not against hard coaching. I'm not against. There are some people who coach through anger and through intimidation, and I think that there's a place for that. But I also think that there's boundaries, and those coaches should know the levels of boundaries, not just in 2020 society, but just society in general. Like you said, they're student athletes. Okay, would you talk to another student like that? How would you feel if your kid was in college and their professor talked to them like that? Because guess what? Some of these coaches step in when a professor gives them a failing grade. Well, isn't that tough love? Isn't that teaching them from their mistakes? Isn't that dealing with consequences? Aren't those the same things that those coaches are supposed to be instilling in those young men and young women? There have been reports in, in female college athletics, too. Please don't let me you know, pretend that this is just a male issue, even though that gets the headlines. So, again, I, I just – it's just very frustrating. But, yeah, please go read up on the LSU stories and Baylor and just all this stuff that's going on. It, it's it's just insane in Wichita State. So, uh, if there's nothing else, I want to say thank you again for joining us on the Out of Bounds podcast. I'm, I'm hearing more feedback, which is, again, always great. I love hearing from people and the, the thoughts that they have for us and ideas and things that we should do and things we shouldn't do. I definitely think we should get more radio calls like the one we had from Buffalo, Sean. I really, I think you enjoyed that. That was really nice. It's well worth the investment. So, uh, uh, again, find us on all your favorite streaming platforms, the Out of Bounds podcast with the Z. Come check us out on the Facebook page. And I'm always posting in the Ringer NFL group. So come, uh, come enjoy, argue with me. Tell me how bad my polls are. And, uh, all those fun things. So have a, have a great night. Have a good morning. Have a wonderful afternoon. Whenever you're listening, wherever you're listening, thank you.